Turn with me this morning, please, to the book of James, James chapter 4, James 4, for some weeks now, we've been on the subject of submission and authority, and it's a good topic. You know, there's more than a couple of verses in the Bible about this. There's quite a few if you'll study, and submission is a word a lot of people don't care for. I mean, they think it's a bad word. They think it's an archaic word. It's been eliminated from a whole lot of things. But is submission a Bible word? Is it a good thing? Well, in James 4, let's read it again. James 4 and verse 6. said, He gives more grace. God gives more grace. Is there more grace to be had than what you're walking in right now? Oh, yeah. Let me say it like this. Could you be more free tomorrow than you are today? Could you be a lot more free? By the end of 2006, the Lord tarries is coming. I mean a lot more free than you are now. How many can look back and see you're more free now than you were five years ago? How did you get that way? Well, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Now, think about, don't just limit that to one narrow area. One area of freedom is financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? So well, Brother Keith, I'm working three jobs and my money's spent before, you know, the check even comes in. Not if you have a lot more come in. You could quit two of those jobs. Yeah, but I got bills to pay. Not if it's all paid off. Yeah, but I got this. Yeah, but I got that. God could get you in a situation where you can focus on his things. And you're not having to think about money all the time. That's freedom. I said that's freedom. Where it's not taking all your week just trying to get food on the table. Oh, some folk need to hear this now. Stir yourself up. Is there a higher way of living? Can you be freer? Or whether it's taking all your faith and all your time trying to keep your body going. Spending half your time in the doctor's office. Two-thirds of your money on medicine. That's bondage. I said, that's bondage. Can you be free so that you can just go, go, go and hardly even think about your body? That's freedom. I said, that's freedom. What can get you there? The truth. The truth, faith in and acting on the truth of God's Word can get you and I to a freer place, a place of greater liberty. God wants us to be free. It's not His will that we struggle, struggle, struggle with sickness, struggle with finances, struggle, struggle in our marriage, can't half think on the job because we stayed up all night fussing and fighting. Did you hear me? Fall asleep in church because you're fussing with your teenager to the wee hours of the morning. All that's bondage. All that's having your life and your time and your money stolen from you. It's the thief doing it. The stealing and the killing and destroying and none of it is the will of God. And don't try to hyper spiritualize it that the Lord's putting you through it to teach you something. It's not true. You can be free. 
I said, you can be free. We can live free. Free, say it out loud. Free. 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 I can live free. Free. Now read this. Uh, James 4. 6. He gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So, knowing that, submit yourselves. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Can you see something here? We've talked about it. But you see both submission and authority. Submission means, literally, it's a military term, to rank or arrange under. Oftentimes in the New Testament, uh, King James is translated subject or subjected. So when you look at both of those submit and subject and subjected, you'll see it's in the scripture a lot more than you thought it was. It's the same Greek word. But it means to rank or arrange under. To submit means to rank under or place under. We took some time. We talked about, asked the question and answered it. Is there rank? In the kingdom of God. And there is. We're all loved equally. We all have the same rights and privileges of redemption. But we don't all have the same place. In the kingdom of God. And here it says. Submit yourself to God. What does that mean? Take your place. Under him. Give him his place. Over you. Is he greater than you? Think about this. Jesus said, Jesus, the master, said, my father is greater than I. And we read in 1 Corinthians 15, when everything is completed, then the son is going to submit and subject himself unto the father. I mean, even in the Godhead, we see this. Well, how much more should you and I? Give God his place of being greater over us. Take our place under him. Then what's the very next thing to say? Submit yourself to God. Then what? Resist the devil. Now this denotes authority, doesn't it? How? What gives you the right to resist the devil? And what does he do? Didn't you say eventually he goes? He flees. He runs from as in terror. Why? Because he doesn't have the place. He doesn't have the position, the place, the authority, nor the power to resist the place that you're in once you're submitted to God. Oh, can you see it? You're submitted to God and then you tell the devil, you're under my feet. Is submission important? Oh, very. Very. Now, go with me if you would to Romans, the book of Romans this morning and the 10th chapter. Romans chapter 10, looking at the other side of that, what if you don't submit to God? What if you rebel against him? What if you don't humble yourself, but you're proud against him? Well, the Bible says God is resisting you. Well, can you still exercise authority and dominion over the enemy and the curse in that position? So you're not in a position to exercise authority. You're not in the position to exercise dominion. 
Because outside of Jesus, we don't have the position. Do you understand that now? The devil doesn't just take off and run from us because you look mean. Because you're so tough and bad. He didn't just look at you and get scared. But when you take your place in Jesus, he doesn't just see you. He sees him. And how many know we are by faith in him? We're in him. When it says we have his name, that's what he's talking about. When we say in the name of Jesus, that's not some magical incantation like hocus pocus, abracadabra, in the name of Jesus. No, no. It means in the authority. I don't think we've understood that. You know, if somebody from the church, you're one of the staff. If I send them to do something and they come and say, I'm come in the name of Keith. What does that mean? That means I send them, right? They didn't just come of their own. I send them and it means what they're about to say, I said. Now, how many understand it would be unfaithful if I didn't send them? And they just pop up and go, Keith sent me. He said, do this. And I hadn't even talked to him. Do you know that happens? That people jump up and say all kind of goofy stuff and then tag it within the name of Jesus. People haven't understood this. When you say such and such, such and such in the name of Jesus, you're saying he sent me to say this. I'm speaking his words By his authority. Now when you do that. The devil don't just see you. He sees the one that sent you. And he already bucked him one time. And was stripped and brought to naught. And defeated. So all that's left for him to do is run. But we must be faithful representatives of him. And that can only be when we are submitted to his lordship. And we don't speak our own words in his name. We don't do our own things in his name. Can you see that? That's a whole other teaching. But it's oh it's so important. It's so important. In Romans 10. Romans 10. And. uh, Verse 1. He said brethren. My heart's desire. And prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Can somebody be sincere and yet be wrong? Can they be adamant and zealous about what they're doing, but it's not with the knowledge of God? They're wrong. They ought not be pushing it. They ought not be doing it. Now notice the next verse. For they. Being ignorant. Of God's righteousness. And going about. To establish their own. Righteousness. They've what? They have not. Submitted themselves. Unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness 
to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of it. Oh, I like that. If you don't like it, maybe because you don't understand it too much yet. He's the end of that. What does that mean? Do you know that some people get upset when people like me and you, we stand up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Did you know there's not just two or three, there's a lot of people that go, oh, who do they think they are? Righteousness of God. And then they start quoting scriptures, you know, if they know them. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Right. That's why we had to take his. I wouldn't say I'm righteous. I know how many times I've missed it. And how far I've come short and sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's no one righteous. No, not one. Well, what about the other scripture though? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Did it happen? Was he made sin? Did he commit sin? Did he deserve the punishment? No, but did he really become sin? He did. Well then, on the other side of it then, though we don't deserve it, have we really become righteous? Yes, Yes, by our faith. And this is what people haven't understood. To believe that is submission. Did you see that? To believe that is submission. But we've got millions of Christians. In different denominations and groups today. They absolutely do not believe that. They would not dare stand up and say. I am righteous. They'd say things like. Well. I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I know how. But. No. I wouldn't say I'm righteous. They think that is being humble. In fact. It is being ignorant and it is refusing to submit to the righteousness of God. Do you see that? A few people did. Read the scripture again. I'm just expounding on what this said. Verse 3. For they being what? Ignorant of what? God. Let me read this to you from the, uh, the New Living. It says, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Instead, they're clinging to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They won't go along with God's way. Can you see a primary description of rebellion? And failure to submit. What is it? You got God's way. And you got your way. The English version. Listen to it. Said they have not known the way. In which God puts people right with himself. And instead. They have tried to set up their own way. 
so that they did not submit themselves to God's way of putting people right. The best we could do was as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. And the best man could accomplish left all of us with no one being righteous. No, not one. So God had to have a way of making us right. Making us clean. Making us worthy. Making us pure. He had to have a way. And he did. And his way was sending Jesus. To become sin in our place. So that when he paid the price for it. Now if we'll receive it in faith and submit to it. God looks at us and all he sees is righteousness. And all he sees is holiness. All he sees. Glory to God. Is innocence. If you want to talk about your failures and mistakes. In light of that. You're being rebellious. Did you hear this now? Yeah but you just don't know. What I did. I've had people tell me. Well you don't know how bad I've been brother Keith. You don't know what a mean so and so I've been. You know try to look at you like. You don't know. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood of Jesus is. You try and act like your little stuff is worse or bad that God couldn't take care of it and deal with it. And then people say, well, I asked the Lord to forgive me, but I just feel so bad. And so they feel like they have to do some form of penance to show how bad I feel about it and try to make up for it as though the blood is not enough. This is serious stuff. This is rebellion. Either the blood is enough without you lifting a finger or it's not. How many say it is? The blood's enough. And the blood's more than enough to cleanse and wash any sin. Any failure, any terrible act. And what it comes down to is faith and submission. You got to humble yourself to receive, don't you? You do. There's been, you know, more than once in my life that I tried to sow something to somebody and they wouldn't receive it. I remember years ago. I went and did some work on a fellow's farm for him with some equipment. Got through. He was trying to pay me. I said, no, let me just give this to you. He said, oh, no. I don't want to be beholden to no man. I feel like I owe you something. I said, it's not a loan. I just want to give it to you. This was years ago before I went to Bible school or anything. And he said, no, no, he's going to pay me. Just got ugly. What is that? That's ugly, stinking pride, and it's a refusal to submit. How many understand you got to humble yourself? There have been times that people came to me dressed shabbily and in poor conditions. You could tell that they just, they're barely making it, and handed me a crumpled up five. Well, my first thought. Is, you know, let me pull out a couple of hundreds and give you. But, can I provide for them the rest of their life? Can I take care of them like God can? No, No, then I better not start trying to act like I can. 
What's the key to coming out of your problems? Is it being a giver? Is it sowing in faith? Do I believe what I preach? Then what should I do? There are times you have to humble yourself. Humble yourself. And that's what this is about. Humbling yourself when God says, no, just receive it. You can't do enough to earn this. You could never pay for this. You hear sometimes people say, you know, we could never do enough to pay him back. He's not asking you to. It's insulting to bring up paying him back. What do you mean pay him back? I don't even, not even cross your mind. Act like there was a possibility you might be able to. We could never pay him back. You just now finding that out? Submit to the righteousness of God. Submit to God's way. Can you say amen? Amen. So when we're standing up saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, if you understand what you're saying, it's one of the most humble, submissive statements you can make. Because we got all kind of people that are out trying to do good deeds, trying to see how if they can win enough people to see if they can be saved. That's rebellion against God's way. Are you with me now? Try, I got to try to be good, see if I can make it in. People have got this idea that, you know, you die and if you got a shot at it, you go up towards the pearly gates and Peter meets you. You go, hi, he goes, hi. And uh, you say, well, how are we doing? Well, let's see. So they pull out the big scale and they put all your good works on one side, put all your bad works on the other and see uh, how you come out. Well, you just tip the scale. Man, boy, if you happen to bake that last cake, <laughs> if you happen to went over and cleaned that person's house, if you happen to talk to those last two people about Jesus, whoo, other way. But you know, those last two good works put you over. We had 51% good works and 49 bad. So, hey, come on in. Now, you will have to stay on the lower side of heaven. (laughs) People believe all kind of stupid, unscriptural stuff. No. Your good works have nothing to do with you being saved. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I've had people tell me before, you know, well, Brother Keith, I just don't understand. You believe in healing. You say healing is for everybody. No, I didn't say it. Yeah, I heard you. I was there. You said, I, no, the Bible says it. Well, now my ain't many is a fine woman. Love the Lord. Man, she's at church, never missed a service. Oh, you ought to see the things she did and the visitation and on and on and on. And I just don't understand. She's a good woman. Why wouldn't the Lord heal her? She's a good woman. Oh, she did so many good things. Why didn't the Lord heal her? I had some of them look at me like I slapped them when I said, well, what does her being a good woman have to do with her being healed? They look at you like, well, a lot, right? Wrong. I said wrong. Wrong. How did we get healing? Oh, come on, come on. How did we get healing? Before we were ever born. 
Before we have an opportunity to think about doing a good work, Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, He carried our pains, and by His stripes, bought, paid for our healing. So how do we get it? We humble ourselves. Admit we can't do it. We can't earn it. We can't attain it. And just receive it and submit to what he has done and have faith in. Oh, can you see it? Can you see it? Oh, this is so important. Thanks be unto God. Hallelujah. Go with me down to uh, Isaiah. Over to Isaiah, I should say. Isaiah 55. If you haven't lost it, hold your place in Romans. If you have, you can get it back. Isaiah 55. You know it, we could quote it, but I want you to let your eyes rest on it. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. The Lord says, Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can we know God's ways? We can. He reveals them to us. Do we right now already know all of His ways? No. Now here's the big thing. If you have to understand before you're going to do it and yield to it, you are refusing to submit and you are refusing to walk by faith. Did you get this now? There are all kind of folks that they'll go only so far, as far as they can see and as far as they can understand. But when they don't understand why, and they can't see it for themselves, they're not going to do it. If you can't explain it to them to their satisfaction, they will not do it. These are people who will not submit. And these are people who refuse to believe they're walking by what they can see, what they can understand. And if they can't see it and understand it, they're not going there. Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's not going to work. Do you understand? Uh, with that thought in mind, go over to Hebrews, please. Be turning there while I'm talking to you about this. Hebrews, I believe it's the 12th chapter. I was uh, riding in my car one day. This has been, oh, nearly 20 years ago. Nice day, sunny, had the windows down, enjoying myself. Sitting at a signal, waiting for the light to change so I could take off real fast. <laughs> and uh, got a revelation. I mean, just dawned on me. Just as clear, I mean, it's etched in me to this day. And this was it. God is smarter than me. <laughs> You might say, Brother Keith, you didn't already know that? Well, yeah, if you'd asked me the day before, 
Sure, I said, well, of course. But there's knowing it, and then there's other levels of knowing it. There's revelation. And it came into me, and I had a realization that I hadn't had before. God is smarter than me. He knows things I don't know. He sees things I don't see. He sees so much I don't see. And he knows me better than I know me. And if he says this is the right way to go. Even if everything in my mind says I don't think so. Even if everything about my body says uh, no, no. I don't think so. Tell me the revelation. He's smarter than he knows more about it than I do. What's it time to do? It's time to submit beliefs. And can you see where faith is involved here? Submit believing he knows things I don't know. He sees things I don't see. I, you know, initially, I did not see pastoring a church in Branson. That was not my idea. That was not my way. I was doing something else. I had another focus. I did not believe that was my call. I always respected the pastorship, but I didn't think that was my anointing. And I didn't want to intrude into an office that I wasn't called to. So, man, I there was many a day and night. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I thought, God, what? How come I hadn't heard about this before? <laughs> man, the, is this you? You know, on and on and on, because it wasn't my way. It wasn't my plan. It wasn't my thinking at all. It's like I'm ripping down this one road, and he says, go this way. And I'm thinking, huh, man, we're making such good time this way. We've already got momentum going this way. But here comes the revelation. Well, here we are just a few years later. Is God smarter than Keith and Phyllis? Yeah. And a lot of you, you weren't even in the state either. And here you are. Is God smarter than you? And there's some folks God dealt with you to do some things. Some folks he dealt with you to be here too. And you've been unhappy, hard to live with, because you're doing it your way, because you wanted to finish up that business thing, and you wanted to finish up your tenure there, and you already had it planned and mapped out, and you wanted to wait till the kids got a certain age, and then you wanted to wait till you could finish this, and you wanted to wait till you could do this for mama and them. And the longer you go, the more miserable you're going to be. Because you're rebelling against his way. You think, you know he dealt with you about doing something, but you think you know better. You got a better way. And you don't. I learned sitting there at that light that day. I got a revelation. I've been growing in it ever since. The scripture said, I delight to do thy will, O God. That's a faith statement. I said that's a faith statement. Jesus the ultimate example. Of submission and faith. And obedience. He's facing the cross. He's facing taking on the unimaginable. 
burden of all the sin of mankind, past, present, and future, into his spotless, sinless self and being separated from the Father. Unimaginable to us. And what does he say? He's sweating blood from the temptation of his will, not wanting to do it. But he says, not my will. Say it out loud. Not my will, but your will be done. Is that easy? No. Does it take strength? Does it take commitment? Can you do it though? This is submission. Your way, his way. Your will, his will. There are times they clash. You say, oh, not me, Brother Keith. I'm completely submitted. There are times they clash. Jesus himself said, not my will, yours be done. If they were the same, you couldn't say that. At that moment, his will was not to do it. Can you see this? And there will be times when your will and your way is not his. And you'll come right up against it. And you'll think, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. I mean, like I was, I'm not a pastor. What am I going to do? I got all these obligations. I got all this. We're getting ready to do this. How can I pastor a church and do all that? I got a way. I thought you gave it to me, Lord. How many know the Bible says, Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man or woman, but is it right? No, it just seems right to them. But the end of it is death and destruction. That's why one of the revelations I've gotten that I hadn't seen like this before out of this time of teaching on submission and authority with you. The Lord said this to me. We talked about it some of the last couple of Sundays. The Lord said to me, my people are not deriving and enjoying the full benefit of the gifts of leaders I've given them because of their failure to submit to them. He said they're not getting the full benefit and full blessing and full protection that I intended for them to have because they won't submit to them. That's not everybody, but that's a lot of people. And I hadn't seen that like that before. But it requires faith because how can we see everything God sees? Little children, should they submit to their parents? Could mom and daddy see things they can't see? There are some things you can't explain to a five-year-old. Hmm? Are there? You could sit down and talk to them for three hours. And when you get through, you may have explained it perfectly. But they don't know any more about what you're saying than when you started. They do not have the experience. They do not know how to relate to it. It's just beyond them. And so psychology books will tell you, never tell a child, do it. Why? Because I said so. Oh, no, don't do that. That's hogwash. How about your God? Does he ever tell you, do it? Because I said so? How about all the time? How about every day? He's got more kids than anybody. Does he know how to rear them up properly? Why? It requires faith. Why should you do it? Because he said so. Him and I don't understand. There's a lot you don't understand. 
There's a lot of things he couldn't even explain to you right now. He sees things. There's no way I could have backed up, you know, four years ago and see you and me today. I didn't see that. I couldn't see what God had in mind and where it was going. I didn't see any of that. Well, why didn't God fast forward you and just show you all of it? He didn't want to. He's a faith God. He shows you a little bit, enough to take a step. And now it comes down to this. Will you believe in him? Will you submit to him? Will you obey him? Or do you have to understand? You got to see it. You got to know why. You got to see the other end. No. You just submit. You just obey. Right? You step out, not seeing how, not knowing how. Phyllis and I, in our ministry, every time we've had the big miracles, it's because the Lord helped us to do that. You couldn't see how. You couldn't. How's it going to happen? Where's it going to come from? You could not answer it. But when you stepped out, when you obeyed, here comes the money. Here comes the people. Here comes the blessing. Here comes the help. Here comes the miracles. Here comes the answers. But the Bible said the rebellious, they'll dwell in a dry land, desolate place. Are you in Hebrews? Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Look in unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of uh, sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. That describes what we just talked about of Jesus submitting. You haven't resisted, you know, to the point having to subject your will under his. You haven't resisted to the point where blood came out of your pores. None of us have been pushed that far. Now notice how this goes on. That's not the end of this. Notice what it goes on to say. And have you forgotten... The exhortation which speaks unto you as to children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. See, in the modern church, that is foreign to people. They look on their preachers and leaders as hirelings. They hire them and fire them at will and whim. And if they preach something they don't like, well, it's time to get a new one. Right? What about somebody who'll actually scourge you and rebuke you and you receive it and obey them that have the rule over you? That's a foreign notion to millions of people because the church in many ways has degenerated into some kind of a social club. Can you say amen? Amen. 
Do you see it? Does God love you? Will He correct you? Will He do it strongly? Will He spank you? Yeah. That's what scourge means. Now this is not with the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. But the suffering, read First Peter carefully sometime. The suffering that he keeps alluding to and referring to is what we've been talking about for these weeks. It's suffering not getting your way. It's suffering having to submit yourself to the will of another. He said, if you endure chastening, God deals with you with sons. For what son is he whom the father doesn't chasten? All children need correction. Well, not my baby brother Keith. I mean, she's 14. I've never had to correct her. Well, I can tell you right now, she's spoiled. She's a mess. There are no children. There are no cases. Not even one. Of people who never need correction. There are no examples of people. In the church. Who go 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And never need correction. There's a lot of people who won't receive it. Unless it's a compliment. Couched in soft tones. They're out of here. I don't have to take that. Talking to me like that. Think about how Jesus talked to his disciples at times. The Lord said to me one day, I'd never thought about it. He said, if I'd have ministered in your day, there would have been some weak people that would have accused me of verbal abuse. Because he spoke strong to them sometimes. Didn't he? But not because he was mean or because he hated them. He loved them. And they weren't getting it. And they needed to be, something needed to really shake them. To get their attention and shake them out of this lull of deception and ignorance. Notice, verse 9, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? That's the exact same word translated submission. Be in subjection or submission to the father of spirits and live. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Nobody enjoys a whooping. Huh? There's some people blessed her. Oh yes, I just delight and enjoy when the Lord's paid. <laughs> Nobody likes a whooping. But, nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. So lift up your hands that hang down. And the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way and let it rather be healed. Can you say amen? Listen to the Amplified. He said, verse 9, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we yielded to them and respected them for training us. Shall we not much more cheerfully submit to the father of spirits and so truly live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time and they chastised us as seemed proper and good to them. 
But he disciplines us for our certain good. That we may become sharers in his own holiness. Is it important that we submit? Is it going to require faith? Yes, because you're not going to know. You can't see all he sees. Your parents ever tell you, you may not understand this now. You may not know why I'm doing this or why I'm not letting you do this, but one day you'll see. Right? Maybe right before they, you know, a good southern colloquial term, tore your britches up. <laughs> it's going to hurt me more than it does you. And I'm thinking, how? <laughs> I don't think so. But now, if you grow up and you have children of your own, you know what to mean. You understand it. And it was true. But you didn't see it then. I said, you didn't see it then. Well, there's a lot of stuff we don't see now. That's why we must submit to the Father of Spirits and submit to those He tells us to submit to at any place and rank. Out of faith in Him. Knowing, believing He's smarter than I am. He sees things I don't see. If He says believe this, then believe it. If He says do it, then do it. Yeah, but I don't see how and I don't know why. You don't have to. It's time to submit. I said it's time to submit. It's time to submit. And time to have faith. And time to believe. Glory to God. One last place, I think. Psalm 81. Psalm 81. Blessed be the Lord. How many are convinced God's looking out for your best interest? He has your good at heart. He does. Psalm 81. Actually, there are two here. You got time for them? Psalm 81, verse 10. He said, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Well, you know, there's a whole message here. What if you won't open your mouth? Hmm? There's a lot of Christians like this. God's making airplane noises. Mm, Open up. Mm, Here it comes. And they're going. I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe in healing. Not just open your mouth, but what? Huh? Try it out. Everybody try it out. Open your mouth. That would include your heart. Open the mouth of your spirit. Wide. What do you say I'm going to do for you then? Wider you can open up, more he's got to fill. Can he fill it? But my, get this, verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice. Israel would none of me. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust and they walked in their own counsels. Did they have a choice? His way, your way. His will, your will. What'd they pick? Their own. Bad choice. 
Oh, here's the heart of God. Man, this just rings in me because it is the very heart of the Father expressed through the psalmist here. Verse 13. Oh, that my people had listened to me. Oh, that my people had paid attention to me and hearkened to me. What would have happened? And Israel had walked in my ways. If they listened to me and submitted to my way, I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries and the haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves to him. But their time should have endured forever. Can you see this? This is our text. Submitting yourself to God, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Then what? Oh, you're in a place of authority. You're in a place of blessing and your enemies have to bow themselves under your feet. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And when you resist it, it runs. Oh, hallelujah. I should soon have subdued their enemies. It would have happened quick, not in 30 years. Soon it would have happened. Oh, look at verse 16. He should have fed them also. Now get this. Your enemies are under your feet. Quickly things are resolved. You're in total victory. But also, also fed them with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock. Should I have satisfied you. Woo, hallelujah. This is the life of the submitted believer. Makes me want to shout right now. This is the life. People think submission, oh, submission, I want to hear about it. You want to have a submission seminar and see who shows up. Oh, get excited. We're having a submission seminar. Y'all, everybody come. They'll stay away in droves. But if you saw the truth, if you saw this, I mean when you speak the word of authority, the enemy runs out of your life quickly and soon your problems and attacks are resolved and solved. And God causes even your enemies to be at peace with you and he satisfies you with the finest that's in the earth. Makes me want to be a submitted Christian. Submitted believer. Submit makes me interested in submission. Excited about submission. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, glory to God. I said there's one more. Let me read it to you. Psalm 128. Just turn right over there. Psalm 128. Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord and does what? Walks in his ways. Does that involve submission? Yes. Or will there be times when your way is not his way? Oh yeah. Your will is not his will. Yeah. What's it time to do? I said I saw this and I did. That there could be times I could respond in faith. With I delight to do your will, O God. I didn't have to see it and understand it. I just had, I could believe God is smarter than me. That I'm looking at something thinking, oh, I want that. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's the thing for me. Yes, indeedy. And the Lord speak to me and go, I don't want you to do that. And you still feel like you do. Very strongly. Maybe you've meditated on it for a long time. And if that's the point when just by faith you can stand up and go, right. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I don't want it either. Your flesh says, we sure do. You say, shut up. No, we don't. Your mind goes, I like it very much. No, you don't. Shut up. Shut up. I delight to do your will. You don't like it. I don't like it. You can will to do that. You can be looking at something else thinking, oh, no, no, no. Now, that's not me. Mm-mm, nope. I don't even like that. That's not me. That's not my makeup. That's not my gift, my call. The Lord said, I want you to do that. You go, Right. Right. Now that I look at it again, Lord. Yeah. That's it. That's the thing for me. And your flesh is screaming. No. No. You say, shut up. Shut up. It's time to submit. I delight to do your will, O God. You like it. I like it. Now listen. To the man who fears the Lord and delights and walks in God's ways, you will eat the labor of your hands. Happy. Shall you be. And it will be well with you. Your wife will be a fruitful vine. By the sides of your house. Your children like olive plants. Round about your table. Behold that thus. Shall the man be blessed. That fears the Lord. The Lord will bless you out of Zion. You'll see the good of Jerusalem. All the days of your life. You'll see your children's children. And peace on Israel. Because you picked his ways. You chose his ways. You respected him and submitted to him. Somebody say, that's the way I'm going. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.